Yeah, there's a there's a column of main battle tanks that are coming to here. I'd say it's some sort of model of the T-72. You can tell they're rolling past. I'm going to have to speak very loud because they are obviously very loud as they roll along here. Um, is that their tracks are very dirty, so they must have been dug into some field and now sort of switching their positions. They're coming past us right now, and this is this is really something. Let's talk about some of the fake news regarding the war in Ukraine that is spreading like wildfire. This uh, Vladimir Zelensky. What this dude is doing. So it's been reported by Western media outlets that President Zelensky of Ukraine has very bravely chosen to stay and kind of has been visiting the front lines um, to support his troops and his people against this Russian invasion. We're watching Shecky Green transform into Churchill. Turns out a lot of the photos, if not all of the photos that are being used to propagate the idea of Zelensky on the front lines in Kiev, uh, they're old photos. US and NATO figures were posting a bunch of pictures of Zelensky out in Kiev. Problem is the photos were from last April. I mean, it's powerful. Remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Ukrainian father tearfully sending his family away. I don't know if you saw, there was a video, it's heartbreaking, of a, a man saying goodbye. Yes. He's sending his daughter away and he's going to stay and, and fight. And it's. Turns out this was actually Russian propaganda that was morphed into pro-Ukrainian propaganda. But that father is actually from Gorlovka, Donetsk People's Republic, heading off to fight Ukrainian forces, which have shelled his city and region for eight years. It was shared by Gorlovka's mayor. Now, more than ever, we simply cannot be too ready or too willing to simply trust what people are telling us. I personally just cannot and will not forget or set aside all of the strife and turmoil the media and the politicians have put us through over the past two years just because now stuff is happening in Europe. Boy, if anything can go viral, let it be this. Let it be these moments and, and let that build momentum to end this. Welcome to Conspiracy Playtime Podcast. Some people actually believe that the world is run by shape-shifting alien reptiles. No fucking way. I think just the whole podcast is rated R. Will, will there be titty? What the fuck is a conspiracy theory? When two separate events occur simultaneously pertaining to the same object of inquiry, you must always pay strict attention. The only Jewish conspiracy there is, is that I'm circumcised. And there's this guy from the CIA and he's creeping around Laurel Canyon. So anyone at any given time could be infected, don't even know it, and feel perfectly well. That's really the nature of science. Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. We need to get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Fixing that testing regime, we need to have that in place 
before we move to that next phase. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I strongly believe that. I do as well. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The FBI killed Martin Luther King. And it's fucking making sense to me now. How many vaccines have you had? Have you been a good little Nazi? Hey, Nazi! Hey, Nazi! If our own government was responsible for the deaths of almost 100,000 people, would you really want to know? Uh, yeah. Roll up your sleeves, take your shot, wear your mask, and please stay safe out there. Do we do a little drum roll, please? Coming in straight from Russia, we've got the world's greatest conspiracy playtime podcast. Is that? You said like Borat. <laughs> Where's Borat from again? Well, Borat was from Kazakhstan, but Sasha Baron Cohen based that character off of a Russian doctor. That's that what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm very happy to be with y'all here on Conspiracy Playtime Podcast, podcast where it's a safe place to discuss ideas, and we're going to explore that just right now. Jeremiah's come out of hiding just in time for World War III. Bit of chicken pie. Cold beer on Friday night. Fair jeans that fit just right. We see CNN is on par to bring us a tasty experience. So, did that whole ad play? Well, that was, I think, what we just watched. It okay, I'm yeah. just curious if at like a certain point somebody was like, oh shit, I, uh, I pull the fucking... I almost think someone did it on purpose. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It is kind of interesting. Huh? To get things going, you have you ever heard of the Sunday Wire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. All right. Uh, so the guy's name is Patrick Henningsen, and he, as far as foreign policy goes, he's a wealth of knowledge. And he's over in the UK. So I listened to this podcast called The Boiler Room, and they're on alternate current radio, ACR. And rather than like pretend that I know exactly what I'm talking about, I mean, I am kind of a nerd when it comes to foreign policy, but this guy, this was his immediate response after... Uh, Russia went over and invaded Ukraine. And uh, Rux and I worked on the website a little bit more. I took a nap, woke up seven hours later, and it seems like the Ukraine has been sacked by Russia while I slept. I mean, that's, is, that a, is that a fair assessment? Or maybe you can give us a more detailed uh, summary of what's gone on. 
Well, I'm six hours ahead of you, uh, Hesher, although we, we, we spoke when this was kicking off, which is probably about 5 a.m. my time, probably about 1 midnight or so your time, and we were on the phone for a good couple of hours as the sort of news was breaking, and uh, I was watching it all late last night and trying to keep up with the situation, and then all of a sudden all hell broke loose. Russia basically went in all guns blazing, I, I would say within three hours this morning, within the three-hour period, bear in mind, bear in mind, if you've listened to Fox and you're listening to CNN for the last week, the last two weeks, they've been saying, oh, we're giving you know, these Javelin missiles to the Ukrainians and they're bigging up Zelensky and saying he's ta- he's going to stand toe-to-toe with Putin and uh, they got all these weapons and NATO's behind them and we've got our best special forces in there training their people how to use the javelin missiles and the anti-tank and this and that and that's going to teach putin a lesson and the ukrainian army is a force to be reckoned with etc etc and within three hours uh russia knocked out their air force knocked out all of their anti-aircraft the radar uh basically took out all of their uh, main ammunition depots, <laughs> their arsenals, with all of our weapons in it, by the way. So we spent billions of dollars on weapons between the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, to to give the to arm the Ukraine so they could stand up to Putin. Right? Uh, those were up in a big plume of black smoke this morning. Uh, that, that's your money right there. If you're in America, uh, it was good investment. <laughs> uh, and so there, and then basically everybody's hightailing it and taking off out of Kiev. They're leaving. Uh, Russia just walked in there. And uh, basically the the initial mission was to push Ukrainian forces that were shelling the people of Donetsk and Lugansk. After Russia, two days ago, Putin uh, announced that Russia's recognizing the breakaway republics in eastern Ukraine of Donetsk and Lugansk. Okay. So when he did that, and then everyone went crazy in the West, they said, oh, that's against international law. It's not against international law. You can recognize whoever you want, and they sanctioned them as well. That was the stupidest move ever by the U.S. and the allies because what that showed Russia was even if they don't invade, they're still going to get sanctioned, and they're still going to take out the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and all this. So Russia said, well, if they're already sanctioning us, well, we're going to sort out Ukraine and they're basically what has become a U.S. and NATO-backed regime in Kiev, and they're arming them, and NATO is setting up forward operating bases uh, along the coast of the Black Sea in Ukrainian territory. They've got we've got special forces in their trainees, everything. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was two days ago. Zelensky, this failed comedian who played the president on a sitcom two years ago and then ran for president and won is almost like a joke. And so he basically says he wants, he's thinking about getting nuclear weapons that did not go over well in Moscow. I'll tell you that right now. Didn't go over well. And that was at that point, I think Russia realized this guy's dangerous. He's not serious and he's in bed with NATO and there's, they're, they're arming him up and they're, they're, that's a problem for for Moscow, a uh, big problem, and they won't negotiate on the uh, the ceasefire that they've been dragging their heels. The United States has told Zelensky and Poroshenko before him, the other puppet that was put in by the U.S., don't 
Don't go through with the Minx Accords. Drag your heels. Sabotage it. Don't negotiate with them. Just, just basically, you know, show up to the meetings, but don't actually go anywhere with it. So they've had seven years to uh, sort out the eastern Ukraine. So then, in the meantime, they're shelling them every day, and then they're denying it in the Western media. And NBC, CNN send their reporters down there to the contact line to say, "Look at the restraint shown by the Ukrainian military." Meanwhile, the OSCE, which is the proper neutral international observation organization. They're reporting the shelling went up from 80, 80 per day to 1,200 or something crazy like that, that level of an increase after Putin recognized the independence of these two breakaway provinces in the east of Ukraine. So all the messages that Russia was getting was this is going from bad to worse. They're not going to back down. So they already made long-term plans. I'm sure they drew up plans years ago of how they're going to basically – uh, regain control of the situation and knock out uh, Ukraine's military capability and do it very quickly. And so they and they need to push them back to the borders of uh, Donetsk and Lugansk because Ukrainian army is inside of the province because they've been they gained that territory during a blitzkrieg on from 2014 to 2015. Sounds logical. That all happened like they were saying. I went to bed. On the 23rd, I woke up and saw that they had fully invaded and it was all fucking, and they moved quickly. I, I think you have to move quickly in the game of war. I mean, what he's saying about Russia not having troops on the ground and just disabling all the major spots. Like they did in Syria. That makes total sense. Like why, you know, if you're thinking like strategically, fuck yeah, that's what I would do if we're playing the game of strategy here and like also does he really have do they have that many soldiers i don't know maybe but um i mean they they've got a pretty good sized army. army i'm sure yeah i mean for the size of their economy it's it's not a, i mean they just proved it's a force to be reckoned with right but is that a force to be reckoned with because their strategy's on point right cuz they knew exactly where to hit well, like if your strategy's on point you don't need as many soldiers right exactly um, and this kind of makes me think about, uh, I was seeing some videos earlier in the week about, uh, Ukraine citizens being trained how to use firearms and all that. Yeah. And they, uh, they were a disarmed country until just very recently. <laughs> yes. The irony, huh? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you need guns now. Uh, yeah. come forget come what we training. said yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, you know, that kind of makes me think, you know, like, how important is it to be armed as an individual to fight for your country versus being armed as an individual to fight for your own life and the life of your loved ones? You know, in a situation like that in Ukraine. Well, I mean, I would, for them, like, I, I gotta, I, I'm not picking a side here. If I was fucking in Ukraine, I'd be fighting. I'd be yeah, fucking I mean, taking one of those guns. What I mean, though, is uh, that. I think it would be 100% validated to grab a gun, but don't think that you are going to uh, defeat Russia with that gun. I would be thinking, no, I'm going to defend right. my family and my and my home. And they're not really coming for citizens at this point. It they're, doesn't They're, like they're it, taking no. out the infrastructure that is a threat. Right. And I, I love how Patrick was saying 
there goes your tax dollars right there up in a black plume of smoke, billions of dollars. Sounds I mean, about right. fucking Trudeau just bragged about to defend democracy, which is kind of funny coming from him right now. They sent over, I think, what was up to $5 billion mm-hmm. in aid. That's a good tax write-off for them. Yeah. Oh, wait. So, and this was a couple days ago that they did this, so who knows where it's at right now. I mean, it kind of seems like this thing might be over because I just see American spokespersons such as Saki and you know the State Department saying, yeah, we never said the sanctions were going to stop them from invading. They're saying that now. They're like, yeah, well, they're really backpedaling. I want to sh- I want to play a clip from it looks like it was sometime in late January. It's not just the Russians who are conducting military exercises. These are pictures released by Ukraine's defense ministry, showing their forces training close to Crimea that was annexed by Russia in 2014 and the kind of incursion that Ukraine and its allies are trying to deter once again. I've been absolutely clear with President Putin. He has no misunderstanding. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. But it will be met with severe and coordinated economic response. In some of the most intensive American diplomacy for years, the US Secretary of State has been touring Western capitals. He was in Berlin today, rallying support for Ukraine and appealing directly to the people of Russia. You deserve to live with security and dignity. But what really risks your security is a pointless war with your neighbors in Ukraine. Western allies are threatening Russia with massive economic sanctions if there's any invasion. Behind the scenes, there are differences over what those penalties should be. But the public message is united. We are in absolutely close coordination with regard to joint sanctions because we have an absolutely joint assessment of the situation, but also of the reactions with regard to the security of Ukraine. This also applies to sanctions. The diplomacy now moves to Geneva, where Mr Blinken arrived for talks with his Russian counterpart on Friday. But the discussions at this hotel tomorrow may be difficult because the gap between both sides is so large. The Americans want to talk about avoiding war in Ukraine, but the Russians want to talk about their demands for NATO to step back and allow Moscow to establish a new sphere of influence across Eastern Europe. In Eastern Ukraine, they know what that might mean. Pro-Russian separatists have been fighting government forces here since 2014, and the scars are all to see. Antonina Zaitseva is 72 years old and lives close to the front line. It's a miracle we stayed alive, she says. We could have died many times. She's pro-Russian and fears a full-scale war. It's funny that for the last month... They've been teeing us up. Well, you remember in our last Takes on the Mockingbird, it was mostly about how we were going to fucking kick some ass and punish the shit out of Russia if they did do this. And, I mean, a sanctioning Russia is nothing new for them. Putin's been living under that for the last 15 years. Yeah, and I'm curious, economic... Well, here's the thing, is that shit trickles down all the way to us. Oh, yeah. We already had gas prices rising because of inflation, but they did, uh, Biden and Saki are saying stuff like, you know, we're going to have to suck it up for the sake of freedom. 
for the Ukrainian people. We're going to be filling it at the gas tank. Uh, Russia is the number two exporter to the U.S. of petroleum products, for one thing. And then another weird angle at this is Ukraine is one of the main traders with China. So China's getting pissed off about what's going on right now. I mean, there's lots of angles that you can look at this from. But some one thing they talked about that I want to kind of expound on is the Russian separatists in the Donbass region. Those two that he said were sovereign, and then that's when we really hit the sanctions. We've heard a lot about the tensions in the Donbass region in Ukraine's east. It's made up of two smaller regions, Donetsk and Luhansk, where Ukraine has been fighting rebels backed by Moscow since 2014, when Russia invaded and annexed Ukraine's Crimea. Well, separatists claim all of this region, but in reality, control about a third of the territory. More than half of the millions who live here identify Russian as their native language. And now these enclaves have been recognised by President Putin as independent republics. He wants to send troops there on what he calls a peacekeeping mission. In 2015, a 13-point peace deal was signed in Minsk, Belarus, but the opposing sides still can't agree on the terms. And according to the US, Moscow has been planning to stake its claim for some time now and ensure Ukraine never becomes a member of NATO as well. Russia can mobilise troops all around Ukraine, in Russian-controlled Crimea, Belarus, around the eastern borders and even Moldova. Ukraine has fewer than half of Russia's 2.9 million soldiers. The US and other NATO allies have military personnel in neighbouring countries, but have made it clear they won't be sending combat troops to Ukraine. This all goes back to late 2013, when... The Obama administration was really meddling into what was going on in Ukraine. There was an uprising. It was backed by the United States and by NATO. And Biden has always been in the middle of all this shit with the Ukraine. So it was kind of like his little pet project that Obama tossed him during the last uh, term of the Obama administration. Here, this will keep you busy, Joe. <laughs> Does the name Victoria Newland ring any bells to you? Uh, no, I don't know. In 2014, Yanukovych was the democratically elected president until he was looking at kind of getting distance between the Ukraine and the European Union, and he thought that Russia was offering them better deals as far as like trading and uh, gas and all that kind of stuff goes. So when he's looking at doing that, that was kind of a big red flag to the United States. So there was an overthrow, basically. And the way it was presented to us was that it was a grassroots uprising. But America did stuff like fucking start backing neo-Nazi factions that... And when I say neo-Nazi, I'm not talking about, like, people who were protesting mandates in Canada. Like, that's what the United States would have you believe a neo-Nazi is. How much vitriol do we have to see of Honk Honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media. Conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. 
We will choose to stand with Canadians. These are actual leftover from Germany. People who stormed Stalingrad. I mean, it's like they're akin. So these are actual neo-Nazis. And we got in bed with them. Victoria Newland. She was the assistant to the... Secretary of State for the European... Yes. And so she was basically put in charge of this stuff. At the United States. Oh. I mean, look at her, man. She served under Dick Cheney, too. Look at that eyebrow. Yeah. This chick's been all over. But she's married to a dude who's like really fucking into the New World Order, too, if I could find him. But we'll just go down here. So... Newland was the deputy permanent representative to NATO from July 2000-2003. There she was instrumental to NATO's invocation of Article 5 of its charter. An attack on one ally is an attack on all in support of the United States after September 11th. She also worked intensively on the enlargement of the alliance to include seven new members, the creation of NATO Russian Council, NATO's first deployment out of area to Afghanistan and its defense of Turkey during the invasion of Iraq. Basically, she is working to remove Yanukovych, who was the democratically elected president two presidents Quote, ago. democratically. He was of the Ukrainian people. In 2013, he was, like I was just saying earlier, he was actually trying to work with Russia instead of the EU. Right. So they wanted him out of there. So this chick, Victoria Newland, this was a leaked phone call mm. that came out on February 6th, 2014. So we're kind of on a, what would that be, six-year anniversary or eight-year anniversary? This was eight years ago. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here. Um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the... Do you know who Klitschko is? That sounds familiar. So there's these Russian brothers, and they both became boxers. Oh. And he, one of them was running at this time. So that's who they're talking about when they say Klitsch. Troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think... <laughs> In terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I'm kind of... I think Yatz is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatz and Yuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him as the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting 
and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, the three plus one conversation or three plus two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed, but I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, Klitschko has been the top dog, he's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got, and he's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych did that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we can probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. Looks like it was the middle of February of 2014, so. Porachenko was the guy that they put in there. But, I mean, with that phone call, you just see it's like fucking an ambassador and a United States diplomat fucking deciding who's going to be installed. They're like, yeah, this this Ukraine situation is not really working in our favor. So how about this guy? Well, we would need to do this. He would need – and they're talking about – uh, Klitsch, the boxer, just kind of having him on the outside. He just needs, to, it's almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, he they, just needs to be like a mouthpiece. muscle head guy that became a, a governor. The, the people's people, somebody that they can, oh yeah, let me listen to what that guy has to say. And then that even became more apparent when the current guy, God, I'm blinking, blinking his name now too. These motherfuckers all have Europeans. Vladimir. Vla- v- Zelensky. Yeah. Zelensky. I mean, yeah, Zelensky is flat out Trump. I mean, he got famous from being on a reality show, and it wasn't even a reality show. It was actually like a, a show where he is playing the president. Volodymyr Zelensky, the comedian candidate joking at the ballot box, asking if he can cast more than one vote for the camera. <laughs> Zelensky comes to the candidacy by way of a hit TV show called Servant of the People, where he plays an outsider elevated to the presidency. So does playing a president on TV teach you how to do it in real life? Supporters and analysts have different views. I don't know if there is such a person as the protagonist in the series, but I'd like to believe in that. Zelensky is new. He is not part of the system. He is against the system. And there are demands for change in this country. Zelensky may not be entirely outside the system. Many say he's in the pocket of an oligarch who owns the TV channel Zelensky's program appears on, who opposes present president Petro Poroshenko. People don't support Zelensky. They just want to show their attitude, uh, negative attitude to Poroshenko. I just emailed me something because I couldn't, when I was in there at the the restaurant, 
I couldn't get this video to play. Uh, but it looked like it was Jin. You got your email and your other. It tab looked like there. it was Jin Saki. Oh. Oh. Oh no, that's a different video. Why did it bring us here? It's so basically when that when that phone call leaked, the state Which department. Which phone call are we talking about? The one that we just listened to okay. with, uh, between Newland and that that uh, ambassador guy. Yeah. They basically focused on the fuck the EU part. Sure. Which is like the least juicy bit yeah. of the whole thing. And it, it was, was nice it was just scary. like, oh, she said an expletive referring to the EU. And I mean, they're working. How with dare the they EU. say that to the nice people of the EU? Yes. A very interesting little tidbit is, you remember Burisma? It's the energy company in Ukraine that Hunter Biden oh, got, got involved yeah. with. The reason Burisma hired Joe Biden's son for a million dollars a year is that Burisma was in tight with the government that Joe Biden overthrew. And so they were afraid they were going to be persecuted by the new regime. And so they hired Biden's son as an insurance policy. Unreal. Oh, I thought it was because of, of Hunter's uh, storied history in uh, the energy <laughs> right. sector and his uh, MBA from Harvard. I guess that's not it. That was the thing, which was a quid pro quo. That was the thing that they impeached Trump over. Trump was threatening to withhold our weapons that we were giving to the Ukraine so that, that they would investigate into the Biden scandal. Right. And, I mean, let's just, let's not mince words here. Neither you or I are, are a Trump supporter. And no, I would say what he did wasn't to be virtuous. It was more just like digging up dirt on his opponent. Yeah. That was the thing that got Trump impeached. But the thing that he was looking into was the thing worth note. Like, they make a deal with this energy company to put Biden's son in there. And then when the New York Post reported on that before the election, Twitter took it off, off their site. They wouldn't let it fucking be in there. And it ended up being a way bigger story than anybody ever knew. So anyway, that we've, we uh, funded and helped that uprising that took place in 2014. This was in the works since late 2013. And now she is part... She's part of the Biden administration now too, nice. Victoria Newland. Let's look. Let's look back. I mean, I would hope so. You know, I mean, it seems like she had a really good thing going. I wouldn't want her to. <laughs> I wouldn't want her to slip up. You no, know? she's been rewarded for her work. She's right there. Yeah, Secretary of State for Political Affairs. Oh, she got a demotion. So she was working right under NATO from '05 to '08. I mean, to me, mainly, it's like the stuff that's being ignored by the corporate press is. Putin's basically been fucking trying to get us to listen to him for years. And he just had a speech. It was more of a rant where he was talking about how we've been fucking backing him into a corner for years now. And now maybe we'll listen to him. And I've got people in my own life that are like freaking out about nuclear war. I've had, I've got some phone calls. One of them's from my mom. And she was saying... I think our time here is limited. And I was like, well, you know, it could be. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at all of this like it's really going on and it is what they say it is. And there's still a big part of me that wants to just believe that this is just two of the world's superpowers putting just on a show. Just playing games. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, there's actual casualties happening. I'm not denying that. Oh, 100%. Like the Ukrainians are fucked right now.
And yeah. But you know what I go back to is I, what I've been thinking about all this week is when we did the episode on uh, Project Pandora and we talked about how Russia and the U.S. and the the KGB and the CIA always seemed to be kind of working together but acting like they weren't working together. And like there always kind of seems to be this tit-for-tat game that they play where like it's a good thing for them and their image to be fighting with each other. Uh, Eurasia's always been at war with Oceania. A hundred percent, yes. That's kind of what I think about is this is just another way for them to exert and to show that, oh, see, we're at war and we need need to protect you and we need to do these, you know, I mean, what's going to come out of this is there's going to be more, you know, just like every war, they get more power over us because they get to use war as a bargaining piece or as a a kind of gotcha for, oh, we need to implement these safety procedures for your protection because we're at war. Yeah, Whitney Webb, I think you know her, mm-hmm. right? She did a tweet sometime earlier last week that said something like, if you thought a global pandemic was a bitch on your freedom, wait till World War Three. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. And I'm I'm paraphrasing there. This is an article I want to read real quick talking about those those neo Nazis. So this is an article from 2014. This February is February 25th. This is basically oh. a year ago. The timing. Or, of excuse home. me. This is basically fucking oh, eight years ago. <laughs> Feels like a year ago, huh? So, a day away from eight years ago. Wow. Uh, eight years in one day. As the Euro Maiden protests in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev culminated this week, displays of open fascism and neo-Nazi extremism became too glaring to ignore. Since demonstrators filled the downtown square to battle Ukrainian riot police and demand the ouster of the corruption-stained pro-Russian president Viktor Yanukovych, it has been filled with far-right street-fighting men pledging to defend their country's ethnic purity. White supremacist banners and Confederate flags were draped. Confederate flags? Wow. What? I mean, that to me is fucking bullshit. We're draped inside Kiev's occupied city hall and demonstrate just like the fucking truckers. Right. There is one fed with a fucking Confederate flag, and that's all we wanted to talk about in the news down here. Draped inside Kiev's occupied city hall and demonstrators have hoisted Nazi SS and white power symbols over a toppled memorial. Oh, to so they occupied his... Uh, they had an insurrection, huh? They did. This was... Uh, this is January 6th, a type event. After Yanukovych fled his palladial estate by helicopter, Euro Maiden protester destroyed a memorial to Ukrainians. It's always about the statues. A memorial to Ukrainians who died battling German occupation during World War II. Sieg Hell salutes and the Nazi Wolfsangel. Is that how you say that? Symbol have become an increasingly common sight in Maiden Square. Neo-Nazi forces have established autonomous zones. Wow, dude. Just like the Chaz. Jesus Christ. Just like Chad and the Chaz. Dude, that's... Fuck. Are you sure it only rhymes and it's not repeating itself? Oh, Jesus. I know, right? (laughs) Did you read ahead, you motherfucker? An anarchist group called Anti-Fascist... 
Union Ukraine attempted to join the Euro Maiden. Dude, this is a gem of an article. It is. I didn't even read it. <laughs> I think you can tell this is first for both of us. An anarchist group called Anti-Fascist Union Ukraine attempted to join the Euro Maiden demonstrations, but found it difficult to avoid threats of violence and imprecations from the gangs of neo-Nazis roving the square. They called the anarchists things like Jews, blacks, communists. One of its members said, there weren't even any communists. That was just an insult. <laughs> there are lots of naturalists here, including Nazis, the anti-fascists continued. They came from all over Ukraine, and they make up about 30% of protesters. One of the big three political parties behind the protest is the ultra-nationalist Svoboda, whose leader, Ole... Wow. Am I even going to attempt this? Tie a book. <laughs> Say that. Tie a book. Tie a book. We're going to go with that. Has called for the liberation of his country from the Muscovite Jewish Mafia after the 2010 conviction of the Nazi death camp guard John de Majuk for his supporting role in the death of nearly 30,000 people at this Sobibor camp. Jesus. That, that word Jeremiah said, Tayan Bulk, <laughs> rushed to Germany to declare him a hero who is fighting for truth. In the Ukrainian parliament, where Svoboda holds an unprecedented 37 seats, Tayan Bulk's deputy, Yuri. <laughs> Yuri names are insane people (laughs) is fond of quoting (laughs) Joseph Goebbels he has even founded a think tank originally called the Joseph Goebbels Political Research Center nice according to Per Anders Rudling a leading academic expert on Europe man I wish he was here to help us pronounce some of these words (laughs) excerpt on European neo-fascism the self-described socialist nationalist Mikhlashnikshin is the main link between Svoboda's official wing and neo-Nazi militias like Right Sector. Right Sector is a shadowy syndicate of self-described autonomous nationalists identified by their skinhead style of dress, aesthetic lifestyle, and fascination with street violence. Armed with riot shields and clubs, the group's Cadres have manned the front lines of the Euro Maiden battles this month, filling the air with their signature chant, Ukraine above all! In a recent right sector propaganda video embedded at the bottom of this article, I'll have to watch that. It's probably not available anymore. The group promised to fight against degeneration and totalitarian liberalism for traditional national morality and family values. This is like Whoa. fucking so similar, man. With Svoboda linked to a constellation of international neo-fascist parties through the Alliance of European National Movements, Right Sector is promising to lead its armies of aimless, disillusioned young men on a great European reconquest. Sounds huh. like people who the, listen to Jordan the Peterson. far right and uh, make America great again. MAGA. And 12, 12 rules. Svoboda's openly pro-Nazi politics have not deterred Senator John McCain from addressing the Euro Maiden rally alongside Tianyobok, nor did it prevent Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Newland, we know her, from enjoying a friendly meeting with the Svoboda leader this February. Eager to fend off accusations of anti-Semitism, the Svoboda leader recently hosted the Israeli ambassador to Ukraine. I'd like to ask, wow, 
fucking... <laughs> this is insane, man. Look at these bedfellows, neo-Nazis and the Israelis. I like to ask Israelis to also respect our patriotic feelings. Tehan Nabuk has remarked, probably each party in the Israeli Knesset is nationalist. With God's help, let it be this way for us too. Amazing. In a leaked phone conversation with Jeffrey Pyatt, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Newland, revealed her wish for Tuyabonok to remain on the outside, but to consult with the U.S.'s replacement for Yanukovych. Arsnye Yatsenyuk. Four times a week. We already heard that. Yeah. At December 5th, 2013, U.S.-Ukraine Foundation Conference. Newland boasted that the U.S. had invested $5 billion to build democratic skills and institutions in Ukraine, though she did not offer any details. That's a lot of money. This is kind of a long article. Two weeks later, 15,000 Woboda members held a torchlight ceremony in the city of Lviv in honor of Stepan Bandera, a World War II-era Nazi collaborator who led the pro-fascist organization of Ukrainian nationalists. Lviv has become the epicenter of neo-fascist activity in Ukraine, with elected Svoboda officials waging a campaign to rename its airport after Bandera, Antonio Banderas, and successfully changing the name of Peace Street to the name of the Nachtigel Battalion, an AOUNB wing that participated directly in the Holocaust. Peace is a holdover from Soviet stereotypes, a Svoboda deputy explained. So that should be on a bumper sticker. Revered by Ukrainian nationalists as a legendary freedom fighter, Bandera's real record was ignominious. Ignominious? You need like a goddamn dictionary to read Jesus. this article. Ignominious. Ignominious. Say that one more time. Ignominious. 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 Characterized by or deserving shame or disgrace. Was ignominious. Disgraced. Makes so much more sense. <laughs> After participating in a campaign to assassinate Ukrainians who supported accommodation with the Polish during the 1930s, Bandera's forces set themselves to ethnically cleanse Western Ukraine of Poles in 1943 and 1944. In the process, they killed over 90,000 Poles and many Jews, whom Bandera's top deputy and acting prime minister, Yaroslav Stetsko, were determined to exterminate. Bandera held a fast to fascist ideology in the years after the war, advocating a totalitarian, ethnically pure Europe, while his affiliated Ukrainian insurgent army carried out a doomed armed struggle against the Soviet Union. The bloodbath he inspired ended when KGB agents assassinated him. In, that's a good way to end something. Jeez. In Munich in 1959. So, so the KGB ended his bloodbath. That's pretty interesting, huh? The KGB actually stepped in and stopped somebody from killing a bunch of people. Many surviving OUNB members fled to Western Europe and the United States, occasionally with CIA help, where they quietly forged political alliances with right-wing elements. You have to understand, we are an underground organization. We have spent years quietly penetrating positions of influence, one member told journalist Russ Ballant, who documented the group's resurgence in the U U.S. in his 1988 book, Old Nazis Do Right and the Republican Party. In Washington, D.C., OUNB reconstituted under the banner of Ukrainian Congress Committee of America, an umbrella organization comprised of complete OUNB fronts, according to Bellant. 
By the mid-1980s, the Reagan administration was honeycombed with UCCA members with the group's chairman, Lev Dobriansky, serving as ambassador to the Bahamas, and his daughter, Paula, sitting on the National Security Council. Reagan personally welcomed Stetsko, the Banderas leader who oversaw the massacre of 7,000 Jews in Lviv in the White House in 1983. Your struggle is our struggle, Reagan told the former Nazi collaborator. Your dream is our dream. Eh. When the Justice Department launched a crusade to capture and prosecute Nazi war criminals in 1985, UCCA snapped into action, lobbying in Congress to halt the initiative. The UCCA has also played a leading role in opposing federal investigations of suspected Nazi war criminals since those queries got underway in the late 70s, Bellant wrote. Some UCCA members have many reasons to worry, reasons which began in the 1930s. Still an active and influential lobbying force in Washington, the UCCA does not appear to have shed its reverence for Banderas nationalism. In 2009, on the 50th anniversary of Banderas' death, the group proclaimed him a symbol of strength and righteousness of his followers who continues to inspire Ukrainians today. A year later, the group honored the 60th anniversary of the death of Roman Shukyashukvik, the OUNB commander of the Jesus Christ. <laughs> Noctigal Battalion that slaughtered Jews in Lviv and Belarus, calling him a hero who fought for honor and righteousness. This fucking article just keeps getting longer. Oh, God, we're almost over. Yep. Ah! Back in Ukraine in 2010, then-President Viktor <laughs> Yushchenko awarded Bandera the title of National Hero of Ukraine marking the culmination of his efforts to manufacture an anti-Russian national narrative that sanitized the OUNB's fascism. Yoshenko's wife, Catherine Chumachenko, was a former Reagan administration official and ex-staffer at the right-wing Heritage Foundation when the, when the European Parliament condemned Yoshenko's proclamation as an... Shut up! As an... Affront to European values, the UCAA-affiliated Ukrainian World Congress reacted with outrage, accusing the EU, fuck the EU, of another attempt to rewrite the Ukrainian to rewrite the Ukrainian history during World War II. On its website, the UCAA dismissed historical accounts of Bandera's collaboration with Nazis as Soviet propaganda. Following the demise of Yanukovych this month, the UCAA helped organize rallies. In cities there. across the U.S. in support of the Euro Maiden protests. When several hundred demonstrators marched through downtown Chicago, some waved Ukrainian oh. flags while others proudly flew the red and black banners of EPA and OUNBA. Do you think they knew they were flying the Nazi flags at that point? USA supports Ukraine, they chanted. Uh, the video's totally gone. Wow. I feel bad for Ukraine citizens. Sounds like they've been in quite the tug of war. When you start getting into the whole NATO thing of this, it's hard to imagine what it would be like over there. I mean, we, you know, we're all snug over here. We don't have real threat. Yeah. Nobody's breathing down our necks other than potentially our own government. Hello, NSA. <laughs> and the 85th. Yep. The Atfa. He makes a really good point. Let's see if I can find it.
in the situation with what's going on with uh russia invading ukraine of course it's um yeah it's it's fucked up and uh i wish it wasn't happening and i feel for all of the innocent people in ukraine whose lives will be made much worse by this and of course there's already been people who have been killed and injured and stuff and i don't know exactly what the numbers are i don't think there's any way of, of really knowing so far it's it's a weird thing when you know a war breaks out there's a lot of chaos around it and we, we don't exactly know what's going on but it it is pretty clear um that that putin invaded and that there's been i know there's been reports of like explosions in kiev and all throughout the country um i know that belarus is kind of joined in um i know there were there were reports of these cyber attacks uh which pretty clearly seem to be uh from the russians and i do think that is a uh, fucked up but i'm not gonna fucking bullshit you guys and i'll say that this whole thing happening is all the fault of fucking nato and america provoking the russians for years and years and that doesn't mean that it's not vladimir putin's fault also for doing something that's wrong but you know in the same way that like if you saw some kid who is just being like picked on and picked on and picked on and then they snap and just start punching everybody and they punch a few people who weren't even there picking on them you could be like oh that's fucked up that they punched those people but you also kind of recognize what happened here and if we're not going to do that then i don't know you know what's the point then we're going to be in a really bad spot first and foremost what we want to do what all sane people should want to do is avoid a war between America and Russia. This is priority number one above all other priorities, above all other priorities in the history of humanity is to make sure that the two countries with 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal do not go to war. And I, look, I don't think that's gonna happen right now, but we're a lot closer to it than we were a week ago. You have to understand what happened here and what's going on and what like led to this moment. And sure, condemn Vladimir Putin all you want to. I think that's fine. Uh, condemn the invasion. Like, sure, that's it's bad. You know, we don't believe in, in, you know, I don't believe in governments at all. And we certainly all don't believe in um, people being, you know, imposed upon by foreign governments but you kind of have to understand like what led to this and you know i think about think about like the the cuban missile crisis and um without going into like all of the details of it but just like the broad strokes that back in um the the early 60s when the you know there was the soviet union the united states of america and cuba had gone uh communist and was allied with the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union sent over nuclear missiles to Cuba. And the, uh, I think it was the CIA, American intelligence spotted them and had pictures of them. And they, they confirmed it, like there are nuclear missiles in Cuba, you know, just a few miles off the coast of America. And that was a deal breaker for America. And I think understandably so. That was like, look, we can tolerate a lot, but we cannot tolerate nuclear weapons pointed at us from just a few miles off our coast like that's 
that's an act of war you know and like okay maybe technically not an act of aggression but eh, kind of an act of aggression you know like someone pointing a gun at you you can't just sit there waiting to figure out what their intentions are it's like i'm sorry this is a little bit too close to home and i think everyone gets that in america and if you get that i really don't see how you don't get what's going on with this situation with russia the line used to be drawn down the center of germany and everything to the west was american nato territory you know you can't come over here and the soviet union collapsed and that's where the line was and george hw bush the president at the time when the soviet union collapsed promised both in writing and verbally that nato would not move one inch to the east and not only has NATO moved to the east, with every president, it's moved further and further and further. You know, with, since George H.W. Bush, with Bill Clinton, uh, with, with George W. Bush, with Barack Obama, with Donald Trump. You know, and now it's at a point where it's right on NATO's doorstep. Uh, excuse me, it's right on Russia's doorstep. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the Hillary Clinton line. Uh, when she said Vladimir Putin has moved his, uh, his forces right up to NATO's doorstep. And by that, she meant Russia's border. So now it's all the way up to Russia to Russia's border, the NATO. And then you have Ukraine, which, okay, technically um, is not uh, in NATO. Um, and, and technically they're not saying we're gonna put it into NATO, but Obama and Joe Biden did lead, you know, they, they orchestrated a coup there in 2014. And for anyone who wants to give me shit about this, you can go look it up if you want to. We they already absolutely did. did. And there's there's audio recordings and proof of this. Like, beyond, it was a, a color, they call it a color revolution, right? Where they like organize these kind of like protests and, and overthrowing the government and install a government who's friendly to the United States of America. We've pumped tons of weapons in there. The, the current, uh, you know, CIA director, Many different people in the intelligence community, many like, you know, leaders have have talked about this for a long time. Why are we not allowed to talk about how provocative it is? You know, what a, what a provocation it is to the Russians to move NATO all the way up uh, to Russia's border. And why is that good? What benefit is there to us to have, you know, NATO is not just like, hey, we're all friends. NATO is a military alliance. Why does that help us? Why do we want to have a military alliance all the way right up to Russia's border? I mean, he's basically full-blown conspiracy theorist without having gone there. Like, why? Why would it be beneficial to have NATO right up against Russia's border? It's everlasting conflict. Yeah. I mean, that, that should about wrap it up. I don't... I'm trying to think of any major talking oh, I points wanna, I missed. I want to say something else yeah. that... Uh, Remember Ken Wheeler, oh. the, uh, the guy on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a while yeah. since we had Ken. Yeah, so uh, this is just a little thing that he wrote really quick. It's funny it's bringing us back to the, the Havana Syndrome episode. Yeah, that is funny, huh? Do, 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 do. Hi. How you doing? I grew up as a bit of a nerd. I've made at least 100 DIY antennas in my lifetime including a lot of Yaggies, which are directional antennas, discone antennas, and a lot of dipoles. I even invented a unique device for hanging a dipole. I have written a book on field theory, also a few articles. I used to be a ham radio operator. My mom sent me a Havana Syndrome YouTube video today. 
oh, saying really? that a bunch of diplomats outside of Washington, D.C. are getting it. Is Russia hitting us mm. right now? Interesting. But then also scroll down and take in the glory of this picture. That's that's our buddy Ken right there. When was this? Back in the day. <laughs> so, so go up and I'll read the rest of it here. An associate took this picture of me in Red Square in Moscow, quote, back in the day. The Kremlin is off to the right out of the picture. Politics, which I despise, divide people and make fellow human beings through mental conditioning feel an animosity towards one another. I said in my most recent video that I didn't want to, quote, take sides because I have utterly no connection to political, quote, stuff. And I consider both the Russians and Ukraine's brethren humans who want to live, love, and experience life without being cut short. I may come across as grumpy, but that's <laughs> due to maybe seeing too much during life. But I love to meet people and give them a hug, the non-creepy kind. <laughs> I'm almost done with the article I wrote for you all and working hard on the booklet on retroduction. What's that mean? Um, I don't know, something to do with magnetism probably. Uh, people are equal in spirit, but humans put on flags on their uniforms and are taught to go harm and worse their fellow spiritual brethren. This is horrible, but a fact of life due to primordial agnosis and its rotten fruits. People are spirit in a meat suit and wisdom's That's like byproduct, <laughs> byproduct is to see the animus in others as kindred and like unto our own. The world is very small now, and by all that is noble and holy, I wish life and wisdom upon those in the center of arm, harm's way in Ukraine, both Ukrainian and Russian. For all these people are noble spirit, stripped of their flags, uniforms, and indoctrinated beliefs. Ukraine contains the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life, just north of Yalta. I've always wished I could go back there and spend time there. I'm sure I never will. And I just thought that was really well said. He's a good writer. Yes. He writes as eloquently as he speaks. Good old Ken. Doesn't he look like a stud? He is a stud. He looks like it, like straight out of a movie of like badass fucking undercover agent. <laughs> Maybe he is. I think he used to do some. I think he used to do something. Wow, Ken, I'm even more impressed by you after reading that. <laughs> you have a beautiful soul. Deborah. <sighs> well, uh, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Sleep tight, you folks. Make face. sure you're strapped and don't forget your gat. It's a face anyone could trust there. Oh, yeah. I thought that was just that one picture where one eyebrow's cocked up. I think her, that's a perma rest face. Maybe she's just always cocked, you know? Maybe she's one of those. Peace out, everyone. Thank you Later. for watching and listening. And stay safe. As long as uh, stay sane. this stays over in... I mean, that's an argument whether Ukraine is even a part of Europe. If it is, it's the biggest country in Europe. But whatever's going on. Let's keep it over there. Let's hope that we stay out of it enough to avoid nuclear cataclysm. And maintain peace in your neighborhood and your home. Hey! Clean your room! <laughs> in my car.